2: Bro science. Bro science. Dude. Dude, I'm going to get, like, ripped. Um. <laughs> 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 okay. This podcast may contain adult themes, strong language, and stupid health advice. Listener discretion is advised. <laughs>
1: Welcome back to In Bad Taste where we cast a critical eye over health documentaries and the claims they make.
2: Welcome back, I'm your host registered nutritionist Pixie Turner. And I'm cardiothoracic surgeon Dr Nikki Stamp. Hello, How how is everybody doing? Are we surviving the craziness of this month's peak unwell? Nope. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That being said, some of this has been so insane and so amusing. It's kind of been a nice change to some of the more serious topics we've covered thus far. Absolutely. I mean,
1: breast milk for gains, really? (laughs) But this week's episode, though, we're going back into diet land because the makers of Unwell very kindly included an episode on fasting, which is such a popular diet at the moment. So we've gone from gains through breast milk to gains through not eating at all? Anyway, we're very excited (laughs) to get into this. I get a lot of questions about fasting on social media, like a lot. And it's clear that a lot of people perceive it as some kind of magical cure.
2: Yeah, I get quite a lot too. And I've had a lot of friends and colleagues do fasting or intermittent fasting in it's various iterations. And a lot of them absolutely rave about it. But there are so many myths and massive claims that are made about fasting. So I'm really looking forward to taking a good look at this one, especially since in this episode on fasting in unwell, there are some massive claims made and some really really serious consequences and i have to say this was one of two episodes in this series that absolutely infuriated me like i was i was ropeable so mad watching this one which i'm sure will be evident <laughs> why very very shortly um but anyway let's get let's get started we'll start with um there's a guy who starts off this film like a, a little case study that they put in who i'm still Absolutely baffled as to what the hell he's even doing in this film because it's a guy who's a tech CEO and he is I think he's a, a computer scientist but of course that apparently qualifies him to run his own tech slash supplement uh, company from Silicon Valley obviously um, and he has he has a lot of opinions about fasting and mm. about eating including this. I just don't even know what to make of this statement. The default state of humans is not eating. That's what he says. I was like, uh, nah, dude, it's it's really not. We we genuinely need to eat to survive. And I was like, You are the king of bro science, aren't you? I mean, it's the same
1: as saying that the default state of humans is being awake, therefore we don't need sleep for days on end. Yeah, we
2: all know what happens when you don't sleep for days on end. You actually die. <laughs> but this um yeah, this numb nuts has got <laughs> he's he's worked out somehow in the past uh, something about rockets therefore he thinks humans are rockets so he's applying the same principles he used on rockets to humans all whilst working out uh, during the day in his trendy uh startup office where he has also had a subdermal glucose monitor implanted uh to monitor the his 16 to 18 hour fasting window
1: what is he doing here yeah right and this this is this is such a classic example of this kind of biohacking mm-hmm. thing where humans are trying to turn themselves superhuman in in some way and mm. i have such mixed feelings about the whole idea of biohacking mainly because it is very elitist it is quite extreme in places there does sometimes there's sometimes some good stuff in there like you know the blue tinted glasses to help you get mm-hmm. to sleep if you're looking at screens and things like that they, they do have some decent ideas mm. but a lot of it is just a little bit extreme and weird and you can tell it's coming from a place of intense death anxiety This is my working theory, is that bro science and biohacking is just a very strongly masculine interpretation Mm. and representation of death anxiety, which you see also in the way that this guy is talking about religion again. Like once again, we get religion. He talks about the idea that God invented meals. No, fuck off. Uh, Side note, his name is Wu and that made me laugh a lot
2: because the (laughs) world (laughs) is Wu.
1: But yeah, so this guy, he only eats in an eight-hour window at most. And then he also does 36-hour fasts around once a week. He is very intense. He eats raw egg yolks just like it's soup. He doesn't... Not even with a spoon. He just tips that bowl straight into his mouth. And then he cooks the whites because he's all about optimizing food in this way. And I'm like, nobody has time for that. Just chill the fuck out. Nobody has time to cook their yolks and whites separately. It's just a bit excessive and obsessive as well.
2: Can we also point out that there's a reason that you shouldn't be eating slash drinking raw eggs because you get salmonella. Mm-hmm. Salmonella is a bacterial infection that will literally sometimes, not in everybody, but in a lot of people, leave you shitting blood. So... If that's what you're after, you know, like, go for it. But don't, please don't do that. Um, I really enjoyed the fact that he said that more of us should be fasting, like more people should be fasting. And I was like, yeah, we do fast when we sleep. That's when we fast, mate. And that's why breakfast is called breakfast, because you are literally breaking your fast. I thought it was really weird that he's got this startup or tech company, whatever it is, and every week they have like a team fast, and then he caters for his employees with, you know, some really nice looking food. Low carb, obviously. Mm, it looked good. It did look good. And I was like, oh, well, that's nice. He's kind of like catering for the his, his employees. And I thought that was really nice. But it just struck me as a, a little bit cult-like. And imagine being the one person who rolled into that office with like donuts or cupcakes. Um, yeah. That is Could what you I would imagine? Do. That is exactly what I would do. <laughs> Could you imagine the pressure? Like, excuse me, um, we're fasting here. Like, it just felt like the sort of place where you would be strongly encouraged slash bullied <laughs> into keeping up with the 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 silly trend that everybody else is doing. But look, he's our he's our opening hero. Apparently, mm-hmm. now, I I still I don't know why he was there. Like, it just what what was he doing there? He added nothing, of value at all, apart from amusing me that was it
1: yeah it was it was amusing it was very intense it was a bit obsessive I think it was a g- good example of when something that can be based on a kernel of science can be taken in this extreme and obsessive kind of way yeah Though his workplace did sound a bit like a cult I'm not gonna lie yeah it definitely I totally agree it definitely sounds like you'd be bullied for bringing in donuts <laughs> I love that they cater for their employees but asking them did you fast last night whoa I mean my answer would just be like yeah I was asleep. And last time I checked, I don't eat in my sleep. So I think I'm okay. So Nikki, let's talk about intermittent fasting and what it is. Yes, tell us. So to give you a quick overview... There are several types of fasting and it's important to have some kind of distinction between them because some of them make a little bit of sense. Others are downright extreme and dangerous. Mm. So we have time-restricted feeding, which means, for example, only eating between certain hours a day. So if you have an eight-hour feeding window, that would mean, for example, only eating between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. That is an example of time-restricted feeding. You are restricting your eating to a specific time window makes sense we also have things like the 5-2 diet which technically fall into this category because that involves eating quote normally on five days a week and then only eating around 500 calories on the other two days a week and that's still considered to be a kind of fasting because you are limiting your intake to such an extent and then we also have what is known as total fasting or water fasting where you consume nothing but water for days now remember that shock that we just expressed there Put a pin in that. We're going to come back to that because, oh boy, there is so much to say there. Yeah. But look, when it comes to time-restricted feeding, there is some interesting evidence to suggest that this actually could be slightly beneficial, in a sense. And this is because it can work with our body's circadian mm-hmm. rhythms. So our bodies have a, a 24-hour cycle. It's actually just over 24 hours. And there are different processes that are prioritized at different times during that cycle so for example at the time during nighttime when your body expects you to be sleeping and resting and recovering there's a lot of repair work that happens at that point which just doesn't happen during the day your muscles are deprioritized your digestion is also deprioritized and that kind of repair work is hugely prioritized which is why sleep is so important so if you were to if you were to eat during that time the priority would be forced to shift back to digestion, which is not particularly ideal. Your body doesn't want to really be doing it at that time. That's partly why you sleep, so you're not tempted to eat either. I mean, makes sense. And you know, it, eating a lot during nighttime can actually increase your risk of things like type two diabetes, for example, because it's just not what your body expects you to be doing. And a consistent pattern like that, not ideal. So there is some growing evidence that this time-restricted feeding can be helpful for type 2 diabetes, but this does not mean that you have to eat in a very tiny time window. For most people, getting eight hours sleep, which is recommended, and maybe not eating for around two hours before bed, which I think is something that a lot of people do, that's 10 hours of quote-unquote fasting. That is plenty. That is totally fine and enough. You do not have to extend it beyond that generally i think
2: that's a general guideline that i would recommend for most people yeah also you explained that so well you explained it like really well. Really oh, thank well. you <laughs> but you know like you know for example for type 2 diabetes like type 2 diabetes and intermittent fasting are not the only uh, way to approach the management of type 2 diabetes 100 um and so if, if intermittent fasting isn't for you if you're one of those people who needs to have something to eat when you first get out of bed that's okay, you're not going to like drop dead because of it. One of the things that, you know, I think is really important to know is that when, when you are fasting, particularly if you're fasting for a long period of time, your body still needs energy. Like even if you're sitting on your ass doing nothing because you're fasting, your body still needs energy. And when you don't, when you don't eat anything, particularly for an extended period your body will start to mobilize some of these other stores like glycogen from your muscles and your liver protein from your muscles so that can be bad depending on what your goals are and what your your clinical needs are and fatty acids from your subcutaneous fat so those are the things that make your jeans tight rude Um, (laughs) and keep you warm in the winter Good, <laughs> but um, I like staying warm in winter. Yeah, I also like filling out my clothes in the right places. Anyway, so look, there's all of all of these things that your body will will use instead of instead of um, your food. And intermittent fasting, I think, is trying to tap into those stores. And particularly when people are using it for weight loss or for diabetes, they're trying to mobilize, particularly trying to mobilize fatty acids to reduce visceral fat, which is the fat around your organs. But at the end of the day, you know, when you do this, when particularly when you do it for extended periods, your body's stress hormones will just absolutely skyrocket which Mm. could be could actually backfire for some people and you will eventually start to lose lean muscle mass particularly if you're fasting for a long period of time it isn't for everyone and one of the i think one of the stories that they talk about here that they're saying you know that intermittent fasting is like this magical thing because it's certainly talked about like this is for cancer treatment because that i've seen that a lot and they talk about they talk about or show the story i should say of this guy called Mike who of course is an entrepreneur And he said he was working in high stress jobs, had a poor diet, not sleeping, eating a lot of pizza. And then he was diagnosed with a type of lymphoma. Now, just to be clear, Mike working in a high stress job and eating a lot of pizza didn't cause his lymphoma Mm -hmm. equally as as his then uh, foray into fasting did not cure his lymphoma. So he says that he had this like really sinister type of lymphoma. I'm not 100% 100% sure about that I think he had quite a treatable kind of lymphoma and he, he said this absolute like classic line he's he went looking for ways to make himself healthy and I understand that but he said most of the stuff that he came across was bullshit Until I came across obscure research about fasting with chemotherapy. And I was like, why do people (laughs) consistently think that because research is obscure, that it must be good? It's not being hidden from you to keep a secret. It's obscure research because it lacks substance, right? Mm -hmm. That's why it's obscure. Anyway, old mate was fasting during chemo. He said, I was feeling terrible from the chemotherapy. I was like, yeah, but you also weren't eating at the same time. And he was making reference to the fact that when you when you are being treated for cancer, particularly when you're getting those kinds of therapies, that they uh, often encourage you to keep weight on. And we talked about this in Gerson therapy. We talked about this with Ranjana, who is a medical oncologist. There's a reason why we want you to do that because cancer takes your body's energy stores. It takes your fat, takes your protein it's all bad. And that weight loss is correlated with a poorer outcome. We, don't, we want people to be really well nourished. And so this idea that fasting is um, really good for cancer patients and, and during cancer therapy is very unsubstantiated. It is at the moment something that is interesting in theory, because the idea being that if you starve cancer cells of their energy supply, then they might be more vulnerable to chemotherapy is just at the moment an idea and we need to weigh up the the pros of you know making the cancer cells more vulnerable with the cons of making the whole person more vulnerable by depleting their energy stores so anyway Mike Mike um, has happily recovered from his cancer, but he still does fasting. He does a five-day water fast every now and again. Of course, he eats low carb. And he sort of said something that made me really empathize with him. Actually, I I empathized with him in this from the start because he seemed like a nice guy and he has a puppy. I like that. Oh but <laughs> he says that you know he's he's very mindful that his cancer can come back. And it was so evident the way he said that. He is absolutely petrified and he was looking for something to to keep him alive and I get that I don't think though that we should be touting fasting as a cure for everything and certainly not for cancer
1: yeah 100% 100% agree. There are even examples where fasting can potentially actually have a negative impact on cancer,
2: mm-hmm.
1: on the cancer cells uh, themselves. And also because, yeah, like you said, it doesn't really allow you to spot something like cancer cachexia very easily, which is super dangerous. Nice. And that's really, really scary. And I've worked with people in this kind of scenario who they've they've been diagnosed with cancer, they've had treatment, they're in remission, they're scared. And it's so common that at that point people turn to wellness to try and establish some control over their lives to stop them getting cancer again. And I see this in clinic. I've seen this with people that I work with and I saw it in this guy. I really got the impression that his water fasting and things like that, those were ways for him to try and take back control over a very scary situation. And while I understand that, it just, oh, it broke my heart a little bit. And I I just want to tell him, this is not going to necessarily prevent anything please enjoy your life you never know what's going to happen please just yep. just just enjoy the fact that right now things are good and just enjoy the fact that you can eat amazing food right now but unfortunately i also know that if i said that to him he wouldn't listen
2: no no exactly um which i think brings up brings up a really interesting case i think well interesting point of discussion is we talked a little bit about that with with mike and his fasting is this sort of sense of control and there's there's a really fine line i think with a lot of diets but i think fasting is is quite interesting there's a fine line between wanting to be healthy and wanting to exert control or even getting into the realm of disordered eating and eating disorders And there was a really, really, oh my gosh, that's a good story. The guy who's the journalist, I I really enjoyed his story. Super
1: interesting. This guy, I mean, my first impression of him was that this guy sounds like the bro version of me back in my wellness wanker days. Like he did all the (laughs) the bro stuff, like the barefoot walking, the fasting, the keto stuff, the, the, the low carb keto stuff. Whereas I guess I did the... What's the opposite of bro stuff? The feminine stuff? Mm. I don't really like calling it that, but I can't think of a better word. No, we need to think
2: of a word. Yeah. We'll come back to you on that. It's the opposite <laughs> of bro.
1: I did the opposite of bro stuff. I did the cutting out food mm-hmm. groups of like cutting out the gluten, cutting out the animal products, the superfoods or, you know, that kind of stuff. So that was really interesting for me to see his story like this because I could draw so many parallels with my own life and I love that he did an eating disorder assessment online Mm -hmm. that was interesting such
2: a good point for them to make It was, yeah. His name is Thomas Stackpole. He wrote a really great op-ed in the New York Times, which we'll link for you, called "You Call It Starvation, I Call It Biohacking," talking about this fine line between what's you know cool and interesting and and biohacking and making yourself healthy and what's actually an eating disorder. So he did the um, he did the tests through the National Eating Disorders Association in the U.S. and he had a number of red flags for disordered eating and, and eating disorders, and he kind of turned himself around. And I think you know he raised this really interesting point that there's a lot of really well-known men. Who are into intermittent fasting. Jack Dorsey, who's a Twitter founder, you know, he's into intermittent fasting. And this guy says something interesting. You know, we we wouldn't be that inclined to say to a man or about a man who was doing fasting that they had an eating disorder or disordered eating. When in actual fact, some of the behaviors, the, the obsessiveness, the cutting out food groups, the energy limitation, you know, he talks about this as well, the impact on your ability to socialize those things are all really big red flags that, you know, it's kind of tipped over into something a bit more nefarious. And he said that we would never call out a man where we would call out a woman. And I'm going to disagree with that. I think we, we normalise a lot of this kind of behaviour, whether it be intermittent fasting or just, you know, your bog standard commercial diet we normalize that behavior as just something that we have to do or need to do or want to do even when it's very clear that it, it's a disorder but i i do agree i think that there is this real masculinity about fasting and i asked one of my my colleagues about it because he's done fasting really enjoyed it got good results feels great on it so that's that's great but he sort of said look you know it's much more masculine to be fasting than it is to be doing I don't know weight watchers like Mm -hmm. that's a real feminine (laughs) and as you said like your behaviors are all like you know veganism very popular amongst women all those kinds of things but we don't I don't think we call some of the things that we do as individuals or that we see other people in our lives doing I don't think we always call it for what it is and that's that it's kind of abnormal. It's it's not healthy psychologically. Sometimes it's not healthy physically either. You know, we, we don't sort of say, actually, this is this is not healthy. This is not good. This is not normal.
1: Yeah. I think also one of the reasons that fasting is seen as more masculine is because there seems to be a strong link between fasting and the keto crowd. Yes. So even like the guy that we had at the beginning, he his company produces these keto supplements. Right. Yep. I think because keto is very obviously very low carb, it tends to be therefore lower in some vegetables, not so much beans and pulses, no grains, for example. It therefore just naturally, because you don't have those plant proteins, you're therefore much more reliant on animal proteins, especially things like meat. And because there is this link, which we've spoken about before, between meat and masculinity, I think that yes. has some contributing factor to that. And it's a different kind of masculine no pain no gain there is not a lot of conversation in this entire episode about weight loss Mm. there's not a lot of that it doesn't seem to be very much even the guy at the beginning says it's not really about weight loss it's about optimization and this is such a a stereotypically masculine phenomenon this idea of productivity of being the best so you can bring home the bacon and all of that it's very (laughs) it's these very stereotypical gender roles be honest that this that these these 100%. foods and these ways of eating hugely reinforce. So with that in mind, it doesn't surprise me that much, but I do think it is an interesting conversation to have. And I would also say that I mean I follow a lot of eating disorder researchers and eating disorder dietitians on Twitter because that is an area that I'm very interested in and so in Mm. my in my little sphere of twitter i've seen a lot of conversation about the idea that jack from twitter has an eating disorder Mm. i've seen a lot of interesting conversation about that about that which is which is I i found that quite interesting because i wonder whether that's just my little echo chamber perhaps but uh yeah in certain spheres that conversation is there and i think that conversation needs to happen more
2: yeah absolutely I think particularly you know we all know that men men kind of get missed a little bit when it comes to eating disorders, so i 'm really pleased that they had a guy for this i think it I think he was a really good choice, which moves on to what I think is well, i think we'll, we'll love this part of the conversation is that when we talked about this about this ultra controlling way of eating, we have a rebuttal witness who we love, Christy Harrison. Yay.
1: She is great. I follow her on Instagram. I've had conversations with her. She
2: is good. And she talks about this so, so well so well. So she, for those who don't know her, she's a um, a registered dietitian and she's very well versed in intuitive eating. And she says that, you know, I, th- I think it's great. She's, you know, that fasting diets are really popular and there's lots of different patterns. And then she has a client describing some of the really negative behaviors that, that came with this. And then she talked a lot about some of the downsides of of diets, which we don't see. Can I just say both of us talk about this regularly, particularly Pixie. We have a lot of information about all this kind of intuitive eating. and I wrote a whole fucking book on this. Right, yes. Actually, this is an episode where like both of our books are probably entirely relevant here. But anyway... She basically says that diets can can be really, you know, really damaging. Weight loss attempts aren't without aren't without side effects for a number a lot of people and you have to take that into account when we're just prescribing weight loss. And particularly when you're getting into this really restrictive, really aggressive fasting nonsense. And she talks a lot about um, intuitive eating, which I think is a really good place for intuitive eating to stand next to next to fasting, which is like the exact opposite Mm. (laughs) of intuitive eating. Yeah,
1: it it really is. So I'm kind of assuming that people have some understanding of intuitive eating, but just in case uh, people don't, just a very quick overview. Intuitive eating is a non-diet approach. That means it is an approach that does not focus on weight loss as a primary outcome. And instead it focuses on kind of repairing your relationship with food a little bit, especially if you've been on a lot of diets, you're very confused about food and what to eat, for example. So the whole idea is that instead of looking outwards to various external sources that tell you what, how much and when to eat, you look inwards and you notice your body's own basic mechanisms of hunger and fullness on satisfaction, for example, figuring out what foods satisfy your hunger, when are you hungry, how much food do you need to feel full but not overly full that's uncomfortable, And what kind of foods leave you feeling satisfied that you don't feel that you have certain cravings afterwards, that you need just a little bit more of something else to kind of really complete that meal, for example. And so it's a lot about looking inward. It it is not focused on weight. Weight is not an outcome of this. Now, as a result, there is some concern that intuitive eating leads to weight gain because people misinterpret it as eating whatever you want, whenever you want. It's not that simple, but also the research does not actually support that. It's frustrating that we even have to mention this, but there is no piece of research on intuitive eating and non-diet approaches that leads to weight gain. That is not what happens, and I wish people would stop making that such a focus because the whole point of it is that it is not about weight. And one of the reasons it's not about weight is because we have decades of really interesting and robust research showing that for a lot of people, Diets are incredibly unsuccessful in the long term. Short term, very effective. Works very well. But long term, not so much. She does use a stat of up to 98% of people regain weight. And I mean... I get, I totally get where that's coming from, but it is quite an old piece of research that that comes from. So personally, for me, I prefer to, I prefer the idea that of the research more robustly supports a slightly lower figure, but it's still something around like seventy to eighty percent, based on more recent research. So yeah, she's totally right, but yep. for me, I prefer the more recent research that just is a little bit more conservative on that, just to be on
2: the safe side. It is still yeah. a lot of people. I, I think that this is a really important discussion. I mean, look, we can probably talk about this for hours. Um, intuitive eating, I think, is is a, is so fascinating. I learned a lot about it writing my second book, and you know, so much of it resonated with me. One of the things I think she does really well, she doesn't say intuitive eating is for everyone. Neither are we. We're not saying it's for weight loss, which some people do, and mm. they're nuts, and you should ignore them. Yep. Um, and uh, it, she is. It is the exact opposite of fasting. It is learning to trust your body, learning to eat when you're hungry and learning to stop eating when you're full. And and that is probably a much more nourishing physically and emotionally way to eat, which leads us I guess into I think this is the part that is going to make me the most cross because I think that this is probably one of the most dangerous practices that are presented in this series and that is the very very extreme practice of prolonged water fasting and just before we talk about this I want to be incredibly clear the people who are promoting this are terrible humans they are not to be trusted they are not to be listened to please do not do water fasting do not do extended fastings please please
1: 100% concur with that I would not recommend it our professional stance is, please don't do this. This is really, really dangerous. And yeah, the guys who they show in this documentary, I mean, this this Goldhammer, is that his name? He's a total asshole. Oh. He is a total and utter asshole. And he's a chiropractor again. Yeah, so he runs this place, True North Health Centre, and he makes it sound like they are a super medically focused, evidence-based facility. And And that is not the case. He is a chiropractor. They have a fucking naturopathic doctor who's running everything. Quacks, 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 and more quacks. You're not real doctors. They are not legit healthcare professionals.
2: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. So oh boy
1: we meet Wanda. Wanda is about to join this facility. She's gonna go there for I think 32 days for fasting. 28 days of fasting. Yeah 28 days of fasting is a long time and she says that It's going to be okay because Jesus fasted for 40 days. I don't give a flying fuck if Jesus fasted for 40 days. He is not real. You are a real person. You cannot extrapolate from an imaginary figure
2: into a real life human being who's alive right now. Don't do that. If you, um, if uh, I know fasting, you know giving up things, say for Lent and so on and so forth, is is important, important part of some people's religious practice, like Ramadan, for example. Mm-hmm. We are not talking about religious fasting here. Okay? Absolutely, we not. are talking about people. You know, if you do religious fasting, that's a hundred percent your choice. I know a lot of people. You know, literally millions of people around the world do it. You do what you need to do to feel fulfilled spiritually. We're not talking about that. <laughs> We're talking about people who are doing this medically. Using religion to justify medical treatment, though, any religion, that that's not on.
1: Let's keep them nice and separate, please. Religion over here, yes, doing its thing for non-health reasons. Love it. You know, even things like Ramadan, you're not doing a water fast. You're just not eating during the day. During the day right exactly it 's not it 's not the same totally different thing health is on is over here it 's a totally separate conversation, which is the conversation that we are having. I just wanted to point out the Jesus thing because once again it shows this mm-hmm. link that this entire series seems to make between health and religion, which I would like to keep super separate. But Wanda is not doing this because she's religious. Wanda is doing this because she says that she has diabetes because she was eating too many foods that she loves. And I'm like, oh, no, Wanda, please don't. Please don't say that. That's not how simple it is. It makes me really sad." sad. That made me really sad too. I feel so sorry for her because she talks about how all her female family members have died of cancer. And it's so awful. And I feel I really my heart goes out to her so much.
2: Can I? There was one point in her medical history that made me very nervous as a as a doctor, as a real doctor, Goldhammer, is that she has she has diabetes and she has high blood pressure. Now, diabetes and high blood pressure can both cause significant damage to to your kidneys, and someone who has potentially underlying kidney damage and it might be at a level that we can't detect in blood tests yet they, they might just be vulnerable should not be fasting like this fasting like this will put an enormous amount of stress on her kidneys and may even tip her into actual renal failure actual kidney failure so the fact that you know this is an allegedly medically supervised center and they allowed someone like this to not eat for 28 days infuriated me like it just made me so so angry that they would even allow her to do this but I was like you I felt so sorry for this lady she is scared she is scared of dying she is scared of getting sick but you know what you know what's actually scary and almost certain to happen is that you're going to feel crap while you're doing fasting you're potentially going to make yourself sick and it's highly likely with water fast like this that any weight that you lose is going to be regained when you start eating again. Okay. And also, more seriously, you can die. Yes, which leads us on to I think this was for me in the series one of two probably most uh, hard-hitting anecdotes of things that have gone wrong. Now, I know we've probably talked about anecdotes before being like not necessarily good science, but I think it's really important that negative anecdotes are heard because in wellness, the negative sides are never, ever popularized as much as the positives. So, this lady, she's called Lene. She was the wife of a water fasting client. And you know, when they start like showing you going, th- showing the, the person in the film going through like someone else's belongings and looking wistfully at like marriage photos, you're like, oh my God, that other person died. So (laughs) short story, her husband had digestion issues, leaky gut syndrome, not a thing. Her husband wanted to go somewhere to do a water fast. He wanted to do it somewhere he would be safe, where it would be supervised, where they would know the signs if something was going wrong. So he went to a place called Tanglewood and we're going to get to this place because these people are in my crosshairs big time run by a bloke called Mr. Lauren Lockman. And on the website, it says, Now 58, Lauren hasn't been sick a day in 31 years and can show you how to eliminate tiredness, lack of mental clarity, poor energy, as well as almost any health challenge. Yes, he can also eliminate your life. But so this guy went here to this place in Costa Rica to do water fasting he lost weight. He weighed 92 and a half pounds. That's about 40 odd kilos, right? That That is smaller than a teenage girl. So he did this fasting at this clinic. 32 days, right? 32 days. He started refeeding. He started eating and then something went wrong and he had an altered mental state. So he basically started to get really erratic. His behavior was was changed and he wanted to leave. And the non-medical people who ran this clinic decided that, you know, oh, well, he was of sound mind. He can go and stay in a hotel. So they checked him into a hotel nearby the clinic where he was completely unsupervised. He died overnight because he was so confused. His brain was swollen and all kinds of things that he fell over and died from a head injury. And i want to say i don't i doubt she would ever hear this but Lene, if you do hear this you are so brave for sharing this story they shared pictures of him in intensive care after his head injury where he's connected up to tubes and machines and he's so thin. Mm. I mean those pictures are so powerful. So thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Oh my god, such a powerful story, but it made me so angry because then we get to meet the douchebag who runs this clinic. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, they interviewed the director. I can't I believe know. that he was happy to be
1: interviewed after that. And of course, the arrogance. He says that This guy, Jonathan, didn't die from the fast. He died from head trauma. Splitting hairs, fuck off, you absolute ass! How dare you say that? He would not have died if he hadn't done that fast and been so malnourished and so fragile and been struggling with refeeding. That center is absolutely, let me just say, they're totally, in my view, responsible for not taking care of him properly. And this guy is just an ass. he is the worst he says that humans can survive for a while without food yeah sure he's right but that doesn't mean that we should do that we can also survive several days without sleep very bad idea we can survive for a whole while without physical human contact but it fucks us up big time and i wouldn't recommend it just because humans can do something definitely does not mean that we should and oh my god did you hear him say that they had a two-year-old there who fasted for two days to cure a heart condition. I was like, Nikki's
2: going to blow her shit. She's going to be so angry. I did. I was so furious. Like, I, I did a fellowship in paediatric cardiac surgery. Like, these babies are sick. They actually need – they need to be fed. Babies need extra energy. You horrible, horrible, horrible person. I just I, – I I, didn't know what to say. And, do you know – I, oh, I can't even get my thoughts straight. I wanted to call the police. I wanted to be like, why is someone not arresting this guy? He is, this is criminally negligent. I, I'm so mad. I, and he's sitting around with these people in his clinic Why am I even calling it a clinic? It's not a clinic. A clinic implies that there's actual medicine and healthcare going on. He's sitting around people in a resort masquerading as a clinic who are all fasting and they all look so sick. And he's like, I'm monitoring them. He has no medical or healthcare training at all. And, you know, one of the guys that, that is at this clinic says, what vital signs indicate that I should be stopping? And he just goes, oh, look, if your blood pressure is really low, it's, it's fine. It's not fine. That's how you fall over and hit your head and die, mate. And one guy they show actually did fall over and hit his head and still decided yeah. to come back for another fast. Yeah, so this guy is like sitting there. He's like, I'm not administering medicine, but he's taking people's vital signs. He's taking their blood pressure. He's checking their heart rate. He like looks at everybody's tongue and says, yeah, you're cool to go on keep going keep fasting you know he tells people that when their temperature is low it's because it's cooler today. day no it's not their temperature is low because they're dying because you are not letting them eat i hate you Ugh.
1: i have so much hatred for him as well he says he says all this stuff about how oh it's all it's all fine it's okay if your blood pressure is low and all this because your body will take care of itself yeah and eventually your body will take out its own trash and you will die That is literally your body taking care of itself in the most extreme sense. That is really, really dangerous. He is so fucking arrogant. He made it so clear that nothing will ever change his mind. And my God, even God, my God, do I hate this guy. It's so awful. And you know what? By the end, we see Wanda at the end of her fast. We see her document the whole thing and she looks like absolute shite by the end. I'm not going to lie. She really does look like shite.
2: Oh, my God, she does. Poor Wanda. And, you know, Wanda, this is, this is coming back to what I said before. And this was my prediction. And this is why I have the medical degree and What's His Face doesn't. Because I said, didn't I say I was worried about her kidneys? And Wanda has a blood test. At least they do some blood tests at this place. The naturopath does the blood test, just saying. It's true. But, you know, honestly, like I'll take that rather than an old mate looking at people's tongues. But <laughs> Wanda's kidneys go off. Right. I told you they were going to go off. So Wanda goes through her fast and she feels really accomplished and I understand why she would feel that way because if I managed to stop myself from eating for 28 days, I'd probably be pretty impressed with myself as well. I'd also be very concerned with myself. Yes, that's true. I can't not eat for like two hours. I get really – she asks people in my theatre, like as soon as it hits 10am, I start winding that I'm hungry and they're like, yeah, but <laughs> you're operating so you can't eat right now. Um, <laughs> so – so poor Wanda, poor Wanda is, finishes her fast. And, you know, at this point in the film, there's the guy, what's he called? Goldhammer is like eating this meal in front of all these people who are fasting. So, so like, cruel. How rude are you? <laughs> He's a such an ass. He's <laughs> such an arrogant twat. Um, so arrogant. So, sorry. So Wanda, Wanda looks like crap. She survives her fast and they keep telling her things like her blood pressure is normalised. Her blood pressure is really, really low. Her blood pressure is really low for a woman who normally has hypertension. Like I would be really concerned if she was my patient. She gets to, you know, refeed and again, like I know the bar is really low, but at least they monitor these people taking in their food. Because refeeding syndrome is something that can happen when you are starved or severely malnourished. And when you eat again, what happens is that your body's salts, your minerals such as potassium, magnesium, and phosphate particularly, they get so screwed up that you can, you know, you can have a cardiac arrest, you can stop breathing, you can have brain changes. It is a potentially fatal condition. So at least they're monitoring her for that. They're saying that she's all cured from her diabetes and her obesity and and all this kind of thing. And I was like, you don't just cure these things from a 28-day fast. What is more beneficial is if Wanda had the appropriate care back in her hometown about how to live with this day-to-day not have to starve herself, which by the by by, is expensive. It's somewhere between $149 to $339 a night for a 28-day fast plus seven days refeeding which is about $5,000 minimum, which to me is an expensive shitty holiday. It is. Cuz when I go on holiday, I want to eat the food. <laughs> I want to yeah. eat the food. What is that cost going towards? It's not like they have a large catering budget.
1: <laughs> Maybe it's the water. I don't know. Maybe the water bill is really high. And speaking of the refeeding, it's all vegan because the the guy who runs this thing says meat is decaying flesh (laughs) it's who the fuck is eating decaying flesh you know what he's decaying flesh fuck you
2: (laughs) oh god can i say i feel i feel not good like i'm so i'm so infuriated i'm so head up right now i'm so mad i just don't even know what to say anymore this one was this one was really hard. There was a lot of yelling. There was a lot of screaming by me
1: at the TV. I wrote a lot of angry messages in caps. It was difficult. And, you know, my, my verdict on this is that it is the, this episode is the worst of them all. It is garbage. It is an absolute piece of trash. There were some really great individual segments, the journalist, Christy Harrison, both fantastic. If we could have just those and everybody else could fuck off, I would really have enjoyed this. But unfortunately, Mm -hmm. we get so little of them in comparison to all the absolute garbage water fasting Mm. bollocks that we are forced to listen to after we've just been told someone died. Yeah. It's fucked up and there's no remorse or responsibility whatsoever.
2: Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think this episode has absolutely no balance whatsoever. There is very little screen time given to the actual experts. I think the woman whose husband died, I think her, her story is incredibly powerful, but they just don't really make much of an effort to debunk. Fasting, and as a result, I think that again you're relying on people seeing through the BS like we have, and not everyone's going to be able to do that. I I think that you know they again they end on this really happy note that Wanda's like, yeah, everything's cool. Everything is not cool. I think this. I think this is a really terrible episode. I think they completely missed the mark. I I just no. It's a no from me. Big no. Yeah. Same. I need to go calm down somewhere, please. You do. Do you want me
1: to read the outro so that you don't have to? <laughs> yeah, you might have to. So Nikki, <laughs> just take a moment to, to chill and I will too. But in the meantime, don't forget to leave us a five-star rating because that's how people find our little podcast where we get angry a lot. And of course, tell your mates... Maybe if they're doing fasting, tell them not to be mean to us because it's not our fault. The science is just not on their side. So, you know, tough shit. If you have questions or comments, you can get in contact with us on email in bad taste podcast at gmail.com. We do love hearing from you. We do also really appreciate hearing your story sometimes if you've also mm. had difficulties with these kinds of things. It's tough, but I think these messages need to be heard. As always, of course, please come and see us on our socials. I'm at Pixie Nutrition, and Nikki is at Dr. Nikki Stamp. On all the things, all references and relevant links will be found in the show notes. I'm still mad. That's all for today. Maybe we should go chill out by taking some psychedelics, <laughs> so we can prepare for next week's episode where we are talking about tripping for health.
2: Uh, gosh, what are we doing with our life?
1: Say no more. We'll see you then. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Not acid, is it? I- 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 Ayahuasca. 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 <laughs> it sounds like a Harry Potter spell. <gasps> it does. Ayahuasca. <laughs> swish and flick. What also keeps you hungry? No, what, what, actually, no. Let me say that again. I feel like I fucked that up. <sighs> what keeps
2: you hungry? <laughs> Fasting keeps you hungry.
1: I know. That was so wrong. <laughs> oh.
2: That's going in the
1: outtakes.